Accelerators from Beyond. Hello and welcome to Accelerators by Beyond. Join us as we speak with industry leaders and explore the big opportunities ahead in 5G, IoT, AI and cloud and the role of the ecosystem. We discuss how to stay ahead and what technologies, innovation and business models are driving the industry to accelerate. Hi, I'm Cal Harris, Head of Marketing at Beyond. I'm here with our host, Jeremy Cohen, co-founder of IoT Now and Vanilla Plus. And today we will discuss how IoT is shaping the world outside of connectivity. We are here with our two special guests, both leaders at Telia's Division X, Bjorn Hansen, the head of IoT, and Christopher Agen, head of Data Insights. Bjorn, Christopher, I'm so glad you are both here. And I'll now pass it over to our host, Jeremy. Well, it's great to be able to welcome Bjorn Hansen and Christopher Ogren today. And Bjorn, welcome, first of all. Very good to have you here. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. It's good to have you. And Christopher, a warm welcome to you too. Thank you so much. Great to be here. What I'd like to do is understand, perhaps a little rewind, understand exactly what uh, is meant by Division X and what the goals and intentions are uh, within Telia. Could you tell us, Bjorn, first, uh, a little bit about what exactly Division X aims to do and how it works? Happy to do so. It was established a couple of years back to, to spearhead the creation of a new generation telco and stay uh, close to our core and, and explore and build and commercialize and scale future business opportunities. And where we have a right to win based on our resources and capabilities. And we don't want to put the money into interesting explorations unless there is no path to scale. And the ambition is always to have a 10x improvement for the customers and that uh, a bet that is being catered in Division X should then eventually come up to 10% of the corporate value or corporate revenue of, of Telia. And, and having it separate is giving us the opportunity then to develop new business models without necessarily being restrained by the current mode of operations or the, in a traditional established operations, financial KPIs on a quarterly basis. Christopher, could you um, add anything to that from your own perspective? Sure. So I head up uh, one of the uh, business areas in in, uh, in Division X called Data Insights, and and we are responsible for Telia's external data monetization agenda. Um, So we offer insights products to our customers to help them become more data-driven by by providing insights rather than than just data streams. So where we have come the furthest is is, uh, where we create products from our own anonymous and aggregated uh, mobility data, for example, helping municipalities with city planning, retailers to optimize store locations. But we are also now working more and more with insights on top of uh, also other IoT data sources. And Bjorn, the typical statistic that gets trotted out uh, at times like this when journalists are asking questions is that only 5% of revenue in IoT comes from connectivity. Uh, What's the case in Division X? And I guess the very existence of Division X suggests that Tilia has found significant other opportunities outside of that. Yeah, true that within Division X, 40% 40% of uh, the revenue generated is coming from uh, traditional, non-connectivity traditional revenue streams. So 
60% then is uh, connectivity related. That's an extraordinary amount. Uh, and uh, obviously delivering considerably to the company. Uh, how big is this within Tilia now? We are not at the 10x by no means. Uh, we are in the 1 billion uh, Swedish crowns. Uh, so it's still yet to grow, but with the pace that Christopher and others are, are having, we are still aiming for the 10x bet, but that's a three to five year horizon on that. Christopher, could you tell us a little bit about that growth? Uh, Bjorn's already referred to it, but it sounds uh, fairly rapid. Uh, it must be putting considerable pressures uh, on you, not least of all in a pandemic. Um, how are you dealing with that and what are the experiences as you grow? Super relevant question and one that we, we aim to crack every single day. It's, it's, it's how do we get the scale and, and we have been able to do so now uh, year on year uh, for uh, at least a couple of years when it comes to the insights. And we tend to look at this from all the angles when, when to us, uh, I mean, solving the scale issue is, 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 is very much about solving the same problem that many customers have and by doing, and doing so in a, in a standardized manner. And, and buying inside service in a standardized manner is not, I don't think it's commonplace today. So this is something where, where we have been quite early, I think. So when we look at, for example, our offerings to municipalities, it's a fully standardized offering. It's, it's, it's addressing specific use cases uh, to a municipality like uh, city planning or uh, event and tourism analysis. Um, and then we surface that um, in, in a standard digital offering, um, standard price lists. Uh, if we have 100 municipalities or one, it's the, pretty much the same effort on our end. So we're, we're building everything from scale from the beginning, whether it's the engineering, the product thinking, uh, pricing, delivery, go-to-market, support. Um, that's where we're starting. And what's been the response of your customers? How do they view this? Um, that's a good question. And, and I think our customers, you will get perhaps not a homogeneous answer. Um, many customers, I would say all customers where we, when we talk about the insights and what we can do are really interested. It's really typically fun meetings where our customers understand that, wow, we can do something that we didn't know was available. Then the hard thing gets into, well, what are the problem that you're solving now with these insights? Um, and then what we're trying to do then is, 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 of course, to help with that, that typically you would solve, you know, X, Y and Z problem. We have found from working with other municipalities, for example, that you can address these issues. And it's easy to get started. It's a subscription service. You don't have to install anything, um, you know, try it out. And, and, and we're a big fan of actually making it easy for our customers to, to buy, but also to leave us. Uh, that's the name of the game when it comes to sub subscriptions. Um, so we need to provide value all the time, and I think that's 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 kind of the key here, and 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 that's 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 what our customers are appreciating as well. Bjorn, there's a lot of talk uh, in the industry these days about smartness, smartness of devices, smartness of services. Um, what exactly is your experience of this? Uh, what do you take uh, smartness to mean in your own situation? We try to turn it around a little bit because technology can also be associated quite fast and with smartness, but it's really trying to turn the discussion completely 180 degree and talk about based on our experience and, and having interviewed 
over 750 companies who have embarked on their digitalization journey here in the Nordic and Baltics. It's really to say, what is it you guys are looking to achieve and what requirements does that have on your operations, not just from a technology perspective, but also from a process and operations perspective in order to capitalize on saying, uh, take something very simple. If I can tell you where your track is and, and how far it is to uh, reaching its destination, what should then happen in your operations further down into the chain in order to capitalize on these insights that you get in real time. And, and, and there we have divided it based on the, the experience we have done and also the customers who have embarked on this journey into areas of either being more efficient with your essence or your processes or taking new innovations to the market. And, and the separation between the two is that taking new stuff to the market is requires more from the organization in terms of implementation. And I'm not talking technically now, but more from a operational perspective. And that's a long answer. Uh, how I would describe smartness. If you can combine those two, um, then you, you, you achieve a true smartness. And uh, hopefully then you can roll out more of the digitalization of choice. Christopher, did you have something to add to that? I think Bjorn uh, um, explains it well uh, from from my end, which is coming from the insights angle. Smartness is is only something that's smart if it actually solves a, a a real problem that Bjorn was also getting into. And what we find really is that it's such a relative term. Uh, I mean, in many cases, technology and data is not even used in in, in making making decisions. Take heating of a building, for example. This is often managed in 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 a very traditional way, even though weather data has been around for a long time, but it's not used. So so start there and, and then also add IoT sensor data, for example, and you can add machine learning. But but you know if you're not working smart then just adding some basics, that's also smartness. I mean in the example you use, can it be allied with attendance data so that uh, when there is a higher proportion of staff available in a building it needs less heating or more heating? That's 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 one example. I mean, when when you optimize heating in a building, for example, you need to look at things like ventilation um, and and also what you're optimizing for. So if you go ask a customer, well, what it, what should we optimize for? Well, we need to have a nice indoor climate. Okay. Well, what does that mean? Well, that's usually twenty two degrees centigrade. Okay. Do you need that also in the hallways? Uh, no. Okay. Well. You know, we can be smart even without applying the advanced stuff. But, but of course, to get to the big savings, you know, if you want to talk 10, 20% energy savings, then you often need more data sources, uh, the ones that you mentioned, Jeremy, and then a little bit of machine learning typically on top of that. Bjorn, I love talking about uh, the applications and the, the real world, the uh, life in practice in IoT. I mean, when you're talking to your customers, I'm guessing that almost every customer's situation is different. So how do you have a standard offering? Can you indeed have a standard offering? Or uh, is it something that you have to tailor every single time you uh, start work with a new customer? Uh, coming back to what we talk about, customer needs and what really drives digitalization, starting there, I think uh, the answer is no, uh, in the sense that we build this architecturally horizontal, but we need to sell and understand in the vertical without getting trapped then in building custom unique solutions because nor we nor the customer want that. 
but that will be something that has to have a, a life cycle management down the road. And, and you want to be building it on standard components as much as possible. So build build horizontally, but sell vertically is a short answer, Jeremy, to, to, to that question. And it's easier said than done, but that, that's how we try to run it. I'm going to try and remember that. That's a very neat answer. Um, when you're breaking this problem down, I mean, presumably you're encountering pain points all along the way, and they may not be the same pain points that you felt when working with a, another customer. Um, Christoph, is it easy to avoid talking about technologies? Um, customers, after all, they're, they're not terribly interested in the technologies. They want the solutions. Well, it, it, it depends a little bit on, on who on the customer side that you're actually talking to. Uh, I mean, if you're discussing with, with, for example, an IT department that already, you know, the, what they do is buy, buy tech. So, so then you do have a, a, a technical, um, technical discussion. But, but uh, when, when it comes to insights, usually what we find is, is that the buyer of, of insights, so it's like energy optimization or city planning, are are not the people in in sitting in IT, but but rather the ones operating, you know, that part of the uh, that part of the organization. Um, so so one of the key questions when we work with this is is really, as I mentioned earlier, like solving a problem that many have, um, and then you naturally get into the use case discussion. If you talk to a customer and you can explain, well, what are others in your um, vertical, uh, what are competitors doing? What kind of use cases are they solving with the help of data and, and insights, for for example? Then normally you get into discussion that's that's very far from tech, um, and and there's really no shortcuts to get there for the verticals we play in. We also work with partners who know those verticals deeply. Um, uh, I, I don't pretend that Telia is, is, is a deep vertical player in everything we do. So here we rely also on insights from our partners. And we use user experience methods to gain the insights needed. We listen to our customers to let them steer, uh, let them steer the product development as much as possible. Bjorn, um, somebody once said to me, and it stuck with me, that CEOs at your customers never leap out of bed in the morning saying, I need an IoT solution. What they need is a solution to their problem. Um, when you're bringing them an IoT solution, are you conscious that there, there may be other things in their mind and indeed maybe other solutions that you can offer them down the road? No, definitely. And that, that comes a little bit back, Jeremy, to your question that you just raised before. It has a tendency way too fast to become a technical question because both on the customer side, there are technical people that want to show that they understand a certain technology. And there are people, engineers on our side, that is really to build it for you. But then you ask uh, the, the, the question, what is really your pain that you're trying to solve? And if we can agree on that, Coming back to Christopher's uh, uh, comparison about the indoor climate in the corridor versus in the actual building or the room where people then, then socialize for the larger part of the day. You have to come and, and pause the technical discussion to really get back into that one because there is a, a trap easy for us to fall into as an engineering company. Uh, when we meet the digitalization officer of choice, because every company today have a digitalization officer of choice, and he or she has a small bucket of money just to spearhead innovation in their organization and say, hey, we're looking at these cool digitalization projects. Okay, 
But is there real pain attached to this? Is there a potential business value at the end of the rainbow? And if it's not, don't go there because then you will get stuck in pox swamps. Christopher, there seems to be a certain amount of mystique around the subject of artificial intelligence these days. And uh, people use it almost as though it's going to solve all problems. It is, after all, as I know you said before, it's a tool. Um, how are you using it today and how do you anticipate using it in the near future? Well, to us, as, as, as you mentioned, AI is just quite simply a set of new tools and capabilities that, that we can use. And, and when we talk about AI, and I mean, AI generally is machine learning, which is a discipline that has been for, you know, has existed for a while. And, and it's simply the ability to make an algorithm that learns from looking at data rather than you have a programmer putting in different, you know, rules in advance in your system. Um, so we use it um, in a few different ways. We use it both internally uh, for us to get to scale and, and automation. So for example, we're in the business of insights. We process billions of data points every day. Our customers rely on our insights to take decisions every day uh, on those data points. So that means we need to assure that even though we have these billions coming in, this avalanche of, of data coming in every day, we still need to check it. Uh, we still need to make sure um, that 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 it's you know it's meeting our data quality standards. But with that amount, I can't simply have a team looking at it, um, uh, and it's not possible to devise rules around it because data quality, as anyone who has worked with data quality would say, is is that you find new things every day. Um, so here we use AI methods to detect when something is wrong, and and it it helps us to scale internally. So I don't have to have a team that's manually checking these don't have a fully rules-based approach. Uh, it's just too much data and too many variables um, to look for. And then externally, uh, of course, we provide insights. So sometimes that is the result of an algorithm. That That is the insight. You need to have an algorithm that looks at these different data points, makes a prediction or some sort of inference. But what, what I think often is missed in the public narrative is, is that you also need to tread carefully because when you provide an insight to say that you should make decision A instead of B, customers are going to know why. Why uh, is the algorithm recommending A or B? Or even in order to feel safe to make that decision, how can I then um, know why, why it's recommending that? So you need something called explainability, which is a big area in artificial uh, intelligence. And that's really understanding what, what variables are influencing and why is it saying A or B or X or X, X or Y. And that's really challenging when you work with cutting edge AI, like, like deep learning, for, for example. That's a you know, big research area, trying to figure out how to have explainable AI models. So more often than not, the simpler algorithms or even simple descriptive analytics uh, does the job. Um, and and um, is that AI? Well, it depends on how wide your definition is. Uh, and then, of course, we have partners applying algorithms also uh, on top of our IoT streams. I've heard reference to synthetic data generation. Uh, Christopher, what is that and how is it shaping the projects you work on? It's a super interesting space uh, in, in a, that's really enabled by a cutting edge AI, a set of models, a set of algorithms called generative uh, models, uh, where deep learning can look at massive amounts of data, 
learn the patterns in that data, and then this algorithm will instead create a synthetic data set that has the same statistical properties, but it's effectively a new data set. So you could, in a sense, you could share the patterns of your data, but not your data itself. And this is an early, early, early area, um, a lot of research in this space, but it's, it's a really interesting way. I think this could be a, a big thing going forward um, as a way to expose data or patterns in the data, because really that's what you're interested in. You're rarely interested in the raw data. You want to get the patterns. But you can expose that um, expose that uh, in, in a way you otherwise would not be able to. For example, for legal privacy reasons or commercial reasons, competitive reasons, you might not want to share your raw data because it, it could give your competitor an edge, but you might want to combine the patterns from, from multiple sources. Um, so this is an area where we're looking into uh, a bit as well as it as as it really enables the sharing of of data or patterns in data in a, in a very new exciting way. But this is not where I think I see big revenue streams in the near term. But but really a, a very important capability in the future. Bjorn, looking at the delivery of uh, IoT services generally, uh, I think most companies tend to view that. This cannot be done by them and them alone, that uh, you need to be working with a partner ecosystem and to make it uh, fly as efficiently as it should, you need to be optimizing that partner ecosystem. How does Tilia uh, utilize the ecosystem in the IoT process? Being a telco entering in through Division X, this, this arena, we build our our technical stack horizontally and open up then a set of interfaces or APIs then to uh, vertical experts. We don't have to build everything ourselves, but in the respective verticals, there are solutions today available. And uh, either the customer themselves have a certain preference or we know of those vertical uh, solutions that can be put on top of our platform. And then coming back to your question, if you take the building as an example, there, most parts of the building is connected today, but the system A connected to the elevators has nothing to do with the security solution that puts the alarm on in the building. Whereas the horizontal platform in the background, they can share similar data, and then you can put the level of uh, priority on the different cases. It's not a problem if the elevators is still or standing still and there's no people in the building, then the technicians can come out at the regular pace. Whereas if there are people in the building and it's crowded, all elevators have to work. So we try just to say that uh, don't be afraid. Nobody will be able to do this on their own. It's natural that we do create a partnership, but do it based on a horizontal common view on how to digitalize a building or a bus or a city for that matter so that you don't build stovepipes. Michal, can I bring you in here on this uh, aspect of the ecosystem? Uh, what's your view on what Bjorn's just been saying? Absolutely agree. I think uh, what Talia is doing is very clever. A lot of our customers are talking about how to engage with an ecosystem. It's very clear that nobody can do it alone these days, and the ecosystem is a critical part of it. I think what is also interesting in the case of Talia that they went forward and also created a lot of the solutions themselves, like the inside bits, which, again, some of our customers are trying to find partners even for these bits. I'd like also to ask maybe Bjorn, 
there is a lot of conversation right now around 5G and how 5G will impact IoT. Can you please share your thoughts? Yeah, it actually has already started uh, because 5G is all about machines talking to machines. But 5G opens up for a high device density, meaning we can connect a lot of more things in the same area. It also allows for higher data rates uh, with a low latency. And those three things in itself is what differs 5G, if you like, from 4G. And that will enable us then to, to have a million connections per square kilometer, uh, meaning parking sensors, street lights, road sensors, where you can have real-time data towards the smart city feed. And that's also where Christopher's area of analytics becomes even more crucial and an integrated part thereof. But the 5G journey, if you look at the business logic where we start the discussion, has already commenced with the current solutions that we're rolling out around IoT. And we do that based on, on low-powered wide area networks that is... Uh, by its nature, very similar in behaving like a 5G network, but, but they don't have the same uh, device density or high data rates. And the latency is a little bit slower uh, than, than the 5G networks. So we have started. It will only go faster and more devices and more data will be analyzed on top. That's, but it will take a bit time before we see the real business uh, revenues generated. I mean, there is a lot of customers already now in confined areas such as harbors here in the Nordics, which we have connected to 5G, where you have self-serving trucks and lorries, etc. And, and we are starting that. But before we see a self-serviced uh, society, it will take a couple of years. But, but in confined areas, the business model is there already today. Bjorn, are those private mobile 5G networks? Yes. Only, only private networks, yeah? Yes, so far. Christopher, the 5G story is obviously bringing fantastic new opportunities and clearly some challenges as well. What are the challenges that you find uh, in your daily life at the moment in the insights, uh, in data insights? Well, I'd, li I'd like to start just to comment on what uh, Michel said also on, on that Telia is, is doing the insights themselves. We, we don't necessarily always want to do the algorithms ourselves. We're quite happy to, to uh, orchestrate uh, an ecosystem um, and, and have partners. Typically, these are smaller partners that are very niche, that have a you know, great algorithm for particular use cases. We are happy to, to, to orchestrate that and, and, and provide a uh, holistic solution to our customers. Um, and then we also get into the challenges. So sometimes the hard thing is not building the algorithm. It's actually getting a hold of the data. And that's is just going to be even more interesting or more challenging, however you decide to term it, with 5G, for example. So what, what we're seeing, you know, having been ourselves in the insights business now for a few years in, in also multiple countries, I mean, in, in the Nordics and Estonia, um, is that what we spend a lot of time on is... is uh, is really the data quality and and how do you do insights at scale? It's easy to run an algorithm in a in a controlled environment when you release it into the wild with new data streaming in every second. I mean, we are not doing real time analytics use cases very often. Um, we we typically have a delay of at least a few hours of the data, uh, and that's hard enough. Making sure that 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 you uh, assure that you know the data stream is is coming. What happens if a data point is missing or multiple data points is missing? What if it's wrong? Um, how do you manage that? 
how do you tie that into the insights that, that you're providing either in the form of a report or visualization or it's fully automated, it feeds into the billing management system, for example, and, and um, adjusts the heater in the, you know, in the basement. Uh, how do you manage these things? And that's about running stuff. That's about making it work every day. And that's what we're finding. That's a hard problem to solve, regardless of the, of the data source. And it's only going to be harder when you get more, more data points and more data sources. And, and that is what, what I find, I think, is, is going to be differentiating in the future, is, is, is how you manage that. It's not as perhaps uh, sexy to talk about as, as AI algorithms, but it's, it's really what makes it work in the real world. It's, it's figuring those things out. So that's what we're spending a lot of time on. And of course, uh, you know the value proposition. Like, what is the problem that we're trying to solve in a in a in a particular vertical? So, so those are the two that I think are the most interesting and challenging, and the ones we spend most time on. The last thing I wanted to ask is uh, if people out there are considering uh, creating their own Division X. What are the lessons that you've learned from uh, aligning these skills uh, in the one division? I can start uh, by by putting a, a one liner up. Uh, picking lemons early, I would say, uh, meaning we don't glorify the fail-fast philosophy, but uh, we believe that you need to spot those lemons early. And that means use cases that don't have business cases. Because we, we have had uh, in the past several of those, and perhaps we have been a bit too optimistic and generous to allow those use cases to thrive without necessarily having the 10x where we started the discussion at the end of the rainbow. Uh, so, so sometimes you need to, to, uh, to uh, bruise some egos and say, hey, this is a brilliant engineering exercise, but there is no business to be had. So please shut it down. <laughs> this is a common problem across IoT, and I'm sure not, uh, you're not alone in this. Uh, Christopher, anything else that uh, uh, your peers can learn from the uh, growth of Division X? Well, I second very much what Bjorn is, is, is saying. Um, if, if anything, I would just add to that. Figure out your go-to-market before you build stuff. That makes perfect sense and succinctly put. Bjorn Hansen, Christopher Ogren, thank you both very much for your insights. And with that, I'd like to hand back to Michal. Thank you, Jeremy. And special thanks to both our guests, Bjorn Hansen and Christopher Agen. This has been a great conversation, and I'm so glad you could join us on Accelerators. Accelerators is a podcast by Beyond, hosted by Jeremy Cohen, and joined by me, Mikhail Harris. We hope today's topic has inspired you to accelerate further and faster and beyond. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Apple. This podcast is published bi-weekly and produced by Fox Agency. Accelerators from Beyond.